Welcome to the Solo BG Podcast. In this podcast, we talk about solo and cooperative games. We also bring you news, audio unboxings, Kickstarter updates, and interviews with amazing personalities around the industry. We hope you enjoy this episode. And now, here's your host, Derek Rodriguez. Hello, my friends, and welcome to another episode of Solo BG Podcast. This is Derek, and we are in episode 103. That's crazy. 103. Last time we published an episode, actually, it was almost 30 days ago, which I apologize for the long wait. I hope you didn't mind on the other side of the speaker. But the last episode was published on October the 4th, and we are recording on Halloween night, October 31st of 2021. And I'm so happy to be here with you. And of course, since this is another episode, and once again, this is episode 103, um, you know, we need to go back and see what we talk about. Of course, go back in time and see what we talk about on episode, um, actually episode uh, three. And uh, we talk about uh, tiny epic zombies, actually, and I believe on the last episode I did a mistake because I I think I, I said that we talk about tiny epic zombies and and back in one or two right, um, and I mentioned that that's a, a game that I still have in my collection. But also just to clear out the confusion, uh, episode number two of the podcast was uh, legendary um, uh, encounters and X Files, actually an X Files encounter by Upper Deck, uh, based of course on the theme of X Files, which is one of my favorite. Um, shows, probably, I mean, not ever, not definitely in my top five, but it's been on my favorite, like, it's a classic one, um, you know, back from the 90s, uh, you know, it was those those kind of shows where mystery was there, and sci-fi, and, and some dark episodes at the same time, and the game, uh, for what I recall, it's been probably more than a year since last time I played it, uh, I still have it in my collection, though, still... It's hard to get rid of some of the legendary games because I usually, I usually tend to enjoy them a lot. Um, this one was the first one that actually had um, the mechanism of putting some bad guys on the main deck, on the market, let's say, uh, where you are able to recruit agents and this and that, where there were some bad guys there. And that was a cool mechanic. And then, of course, you're resolving the encounters as you go. Um, you know, you're going to be playing through seasons uh, from the show. Uh, and then at the end of each season, you will have like a like a cliffhanger, right? Like to to start the next one. Uh, and of course, you have the main characters, Mulder, Scully, uh, and then you have another ones like a sec more like a secondary uh, characters. I will say like Skinner. Um, but um, you know, it, it was it was still a good game, it's still a good game, I believe. Uh, and if you are a fan of the X Files, um, uh, you know, show or, or universe, I guess, because now everything is a universe, right? We have like the X Files universe, we have the Marvel universe, the DC universe, and now with Facebook, it's gonna be the, their own metaverse. <laughs> I think it's gonna be called. Um, let's see where we go there, right? With technology, but. Uh, everything is a universe. So if you enjoy the X Files universe, because there's the shows and there's a couple of movies there, uh, you definitely, you know, you can definitely should check this one out. Uh, once again, X Files uh, uh, by Legendary. I mean, Le- Legendary Encounters X Files by Upper Deck Entertainment. Um, such a great game. I-, I still enjoy it definitely from from all the legendaries, which I need to do an episode about it because I have I haven't done an episode about uh, Alien. You know, Legendary Encounters. Uh, it's probably my favorite. Uh, I still have the Predator, though, the Predator Encounters uh, on Open, like still Shrink. I probably should open it one of these days and just give it a try. I hear very good things about it, so I should give it a try, definitely. That's another one that is on my bucket list to play. I own the game, 
But believe it or not, even if it's a classic, I won't I won't call it an oldie. But if it's a classic, it's still there and it's still waiting for me to enjoy it. And if you have played this game before, please uh, let me know in the comments on uh, on podcast. I mean on iTunes podcast, which is through Apple, of course. Uh, give us a, a review if you can. Give us some stars there. Also, you can listen to this uh, podcast through Spotify, uh, Google Play, Amazon Music, wherever you are. If you're able, you know, just to put a comment there. Um, tell me if you have played this game before. You can also reach out to me through my email at solobgpodcast.gmail.com or you can follow us in our social media uh, for the Spanish podcast um, and the English one, which is this one, of course, at, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at solobgpodcast. Um, this episode is going to be a little bit different, like you read on the title. Uh, we're going to talk about three games. So if you have been following the last episodes after we reach episode number 100, uh, before... Uh, we used to talk about one game per episode, right? So we used to do the uh, audio unboxing and all that stuff and go very deep in only one episode. Well, since uh, episode 100, I decided to, you know, and because of some feedback from all of you amazing listeners, to start to do uh, two games per episode. Uh, once again, trying to keep the same uh, style going kind of in depth on art, box, size of the box, the unboxing, what do we find inside, gameplay, very briefly, and then my thoughts on the game. Um, but now I'm doing it with two games. And actually, this is the first one. We're going to talk about three games. Of course, this is secondary to our classic top fives, top tens that we do at the end of the year. Well, uh, now we're going to talk about three games. And there's a big disclosure. I got these three games completely for free. Well, two of them, they were completely free. Uh, one of them, it was uh, 50% on Gen Con, uh, but for review purposes. So there you go, big disclosure. And these games are public uh, by uh, Mantic Games. So a big shout out to them. Uh, the other one, it's um, published by Smirks and Dagger or Smirk and Laffer. Um, also, a uh, big, big uh, shout out to them. They they were great, and they were very kind to send me a review copy of one of the games that we're gonna review over there tonight. Uh, and also, the other game is from Thunderwork Games, um, and that that one is actually uh, uh, kind of like a rolling flip, I guess. It's not a rolling ride, but it's like I'm sorry, flip and ride. <laughs> um, so. I'm going to tell you all about it. Probably you're on the title. So uh, this episode, we're going to talk about The Night Cage, which has nothing to do with Nicolas, C with Nicolas Cage. Uh, the Walking Dead, Here is Negan, the board game, which, because why not, right? We're on, we're on this uh, Halloween day. Well, so we need to talk about some scary games, The Night Cage and The Walking Dead, uh, especially right now, since The Walking Dead is going through the last seasons. Uh, and uh, we also going to talk about Cartographers, a role player tale. Uh, which, as you know, I'm not a huge fan of the roll and ride games. This is a flip and ride game because you're flipping cars and you're riding. But you will be surprised on my thought on, on my thoughts on on that one, yeah. And also, I want to share with you talking about zombies, talking about Walking Dead and all the stuff. There's another franchise that I do do enjoy a lot. I do uh, have good memories of, uh, especially from video games wise. And uh, I'm talking about Resident Evil. Now, I haven't done any review on any of the Resident Evil games, uh, per se, the board games. Um, I own Resident Evil 2. And right now, uh, they are on the campaign of the Resident Evil, the board game. Uh, those, those are from our friends from Steamforge, uh, which, once again, big shout out over there. 
uh, to my good friend Ross Thompson, which he's over there and he's great, such a great guy. So uh, he's always very active and, you know, in the board game industry as far as like, you know, um, sharing opportunities to work on the board game industry across Facebook. Um, and he's very active and he's usually on every convention at the same time. Great guy. Uh, so a big shout out to Ross Thompson. But um, they're currently right now with a successful campaign. There's still 10 days to go. Uh, from today's date, which is October 31st, uh, for the Resident Evil, the board game. Uh, last time I heard from them, which was not so long ago, uh, we might be getting uh, Resident Evil 3 to give it a try, you know, and to share all, the, all those uh, amazing thoughts with you. Uh, we also might be getting another, a few other games. Uh, one of them, which I'm very excited to try also, the Dark Souls, Vince, and, uh, of course, based on another video game. But anyway, I want to talk to you um, tonight, before we jump in into the, tonight's game, about Resident Evil, the board game. Step inside the Spencer Mansion in this cooperative survival horror game for one to four players. Can you survive the night? And right now, like, once again, it's live on Kickstarter. Uh, uh, the original, you know, amount to be successful, it was 136,000 and right now they're over, over a million and two hundred dollars. So you can, you can tell that it will be a, a very successful product. And of course, this is based on the first, first Resident Evil, right? Where it all started. So that will, might be a good also idea to start with, you know, like to start with, you know, with the first one and then jumping in the second one, which for me is the best video game, uh, from the franchise. Uh, but anyway, there's uh, different pledges that you can go in. Of course, there's a basic pledge. Uh, it has a very good reviews from other amazing uh, content creators where they, if you go to the Kickstarter website, of course, they're sharing, you know, all their impressions that since they play prototypes. Um, so you can check them out over there. Uh, and then, of course, they will describe you uh, the game highlights. It has a cooperative campaign, uh, which also this game will include um, uh, something a little bit different, you know, which is a one-shot play, um, you know, because Resident Evil 2, the one that I've been playing, you had to kind of play it, you know, after one episode, one chapter after the second one to get the real feeling and the real grasp of the game. But apparently this one have like, a, like a, some scenario maps where you can, you know, you can just do it one shot and play it and have fun if you want if you prefer to do it that way. Um, you know, but still you will have that um, campaign aspect of the game. The art on the game looks pretty cool, pretty back to the nostalgia of the, of you know, of the early development of uh, 3D games, I guess if you want to call it. Um, so that's good. Uh, same thing, tile maps, and they ha they're going to have some deck of cards where you're going to be able to do your own scenario maps, which that one is, I don't think in Resident Evil 3 you do that, and definitely on Resident Evil 2 is not like that. You're building the scenarios according to the rulebook, which, by the way, I will give you this spoiler alert about Resident Evil 2, which I know they share similar mechanics. It's a very fun dungeon crawler, um, and it, it has that deck that it really creates a tense as you are exploring the rooms, in this case, the police station for the Resident Evil 2, and you're finding items, and, and you're getting guns and stuff, just like in the video game, you know, that tension that you might run out of ammo, and, and, and a zombie will eat your guts, I guess. Um, you, with this one, of course, you, you will be solving puzzles to open different pathways. Uh, every bullet is precious. Like I said, you really have to take care of your ammo. Uh, you will be able to evolve the decks and, and rise the danger, basically, with a new mechanic that they will be implementing um, You know, on this game. You also want to have the, the option to develop those non-player characters and missions. Uh, so that will add more interaction, even if you're playing solo. And, of course, the horrible, terrifying bosses that you will be 
uh, facing. And like I said, it has a bunch of a bunch of like uh, you know quotes from reviewers over there, so you should check it out. They have different pledge levels though, uh, so you can go with the Bravo pledge, which is the core box and all, all the unlock stretch goals. Which at this point, there's a lot of stretch goals unlocked, so it's definitely worth it. Of course, it's gonna be. As you know, Kickstarter exclusives, uh, things that you won't be able to get in retail. Uh, so definitely check it out. Uh, and by the way, I want to I I give a big disclosure away. I'm not being sponsored by any way from Steamforge Games or anything. It's just me sharing you know, what I see on the Kickstarter page. Um, and uh, a Bravo Pledge is $99, and it will include you the main game. Uh, it will include, of course, the stretch goals, a bunch of minis, a bunch of enemies, very cool detail minis. You can check them out on the Kickstarter website once again. And then you have the Alpha Pledge, which is the all-in. Uh, it's uh, $299, uh, American dollars, of course. So you get everything from the Bravo Pledge plus, um, you know, some uh, expansions. Then you get also uh, some monsters, some terrain packs, a retro pack, uh, some neoprene mats, which, you know, I'm a big sucker of neoprene mats, and uh, some cool, uh, uh, you know, extra dice in a little umbrella kind of like um, blood samples cylinder um you get uh, the expansion into the darkness and with uh with two big minis of 80 millimeters each so there's a lot that you need to check it out well actually there's more than two minis there's a shark over there and then like an octopus so the terrain looks pretty cool at the same time i'm actually i mean you know, I kind of want to jump in just for the neoprene mats. And then, of course, the goals that they have unlocked. Uh, you also get a free mini uh, for alpha backers and a free mini if you are, if you were um, a backer from the previous campaigns from uh, Resident Evil. And like I said, there's a lot of stretch goals right now that they've been unlocked. I mean, a million dollar uh, and 200,000, I mean, it's a lot to, uh, you know, to give more stretch goals over there. Uh, so there you go. I mean, I definitely recommend you to check it out. Of course, you can always go with the base pledge and then add different things, add on. For example, uh, if you just want to add the neoprene mats, I, I just saw them here on the website. Uh, it's uh, the four neoprene mats for $25. So it's not bad. And for what I can see on the arts of the neoprene mat, actually, you can use those ones for the other Resident Evils, which that would be great. I, I can't, don't quote me on this, but it seems like. I don't see why not. Uh, and it's a Kickstarter exclusive, so there you go. There's always uh, they're always uh, hard to find. So I wanted to tell you all about Resident Evil, uh, the Kickstarter page. Uh, right now, once again, I'm not being sponsored by them or, any, or anything like that. It's just because it's Halloween, uh, because we want to talk about uh, uh, zombies from well, walkers, I guess, from The Walking Dead. So that's why I wanted to tell you all about. And with that being said, let's start with the first game of the show, which is The Walking Dead. Here is Negan, the board game. Okay, so we have here is Negan, the board game. First of all, um, size of the box, once again, big disclosure. This one, I got it 50% off uh, for review purposes. Uh, the Walking Dead here is Negan. It's 12-inch box. Pretty cool art on the front, based completely on the comics, not on the TV show, which that's another comic that I highly recommend that is called Here is Negan, which is basically tells you the whole story of Negan, uh, where he came from, his past before the fall, I guess, before all the world went into... Uh, Walker domination, so definitely worth to check it out if, if comics is your cup of tea like it is for me, but anyway, the board game on the cover, you have Negan coming at you, once again, from the co uh, from the comic art on the game, and then, of course, it's published by Mantic Games and Skybound. Then, on the back of the box, 
You have The Walking Dead. Here's Negan the board game. Here's Negan is a cooperative board game for one to five players based on The Walking Dead comic book series. Each player takes the role of a survivor recruited by the ruthless Negan. Under Negan's instructions, the survivors must battle to clear out a large factory uh, complex to create a safe, safe heaven in the brutal wilderness by scavenging supplies, securing, securing key objectives, and fighting The Walking Dead. The players hope to win Negan's favor and ultimately become his top lieutenant. Uh, so that's what you're basically trying to do here. Clear everything for Negan. Make sure the sanctuary is a, a nice place to live according to Negan's expectations. Uh, in that way, you can be his top lieutenant. Uh, and then, of course, he's going to give you a description of how the setup looks on the game. And what you're going to found inside the box. Uh, and then it's a game that he plays 30 to 90 minutes. 1 to 5 players. And 14 year old plus. So now let's open. Uh, here is Negan the board game. And I have it here on the table. So let's open it. See what we find inside. So the first thing you're going to find inside. As soon as you open here is Negan the board game. It's uh, the rules. Of course the rule book. Like many other game. Now this is a 40 double sided page rule book. Um, but it's very straightforward. It requires some reading, you know, because it's going to throw you uh, some basic concepts, some uh, rules, uh, you know, what you're going to do on your round, what you're going to do on your turn, and things like that. And then, of course, this is a game that is going to be based on a scenarios. So you're going to be walking on, through each scenario until you um, finish the campaign, uh, which is 12 scenarios, and whoever has the high reputation for Negan, well, you know, uh, you uh, you you basically win the game. In a way, you can also play it just cooperative, you know, and try to see, try to work um, yourself around this, um, you know, um, basically uh, apocalyptic world. They have also the survival mode, uh, which you know you can you can do more more things to uh, have the put the game more challenging for you if, if that's what you like, even if you became a fan of the game or if you became a fan of the franchise or if you're a fan of the franchise so what we're gonna find inside the box here you go we're gonna have a bunch of minis okay uh we're gonna have 12 walker miniatures which by the way if you own like me the uh the walking dead all out war game the miniatures game well you can use the same walkers uh you can use even the same minis or similar minis um uh, probably some of the 3d terrain tokens as well um and even some dice you know, that's another game, big parenthesis, that I haven't reviewed here, but it's one of my favorite games. I have invested more than $500 on The Walking Dead All at War. I have the miniatures, I have the terrain, I have the neoprene mats. Um, my wife actually liked it a lot as well. It was one of our first purchases on, Gen on the first Gen Con that we, that we went uh, together. And so anyway, there's, there's going to be a time when I'm definitely going to bring that game um, to the table and to the podcast. But I wanted to mention that it's fully... Uh, you know, I guess, uh, compatible with this one or this one with the other ones, depending on how you want to see it. What are you going to get? You're going to get survivor cards. There's five survivors on this game, all right? So you're going to have Dwight. You're going to have Laura. You're going to have John. You're going to have Tara and Sherry. And, of course, you're going to have Negan. So you're going to have their cards and their miniatures. You're going to have their activation tokens and the stamina uh, counters as well. Then you're going to have the 12, of course, Walker Minis. And then... You get, of course, the famous Lucille. You get a Lucille. That's right. You hear that right. Uh, it's the first player token. How cool. You definitely want to uh, paint that one. Or if you're like me, I have a real scale Lucille here as a collection accessory. Um, you know that I might as well just 
take it off and 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 you know when we play this game again with my friends i'm just gonna pass it out i didn't did that last time which i regret but definitely i'm doing that next time that will be the first player token which it will be cool you get the negan and walker reference cards uh you get fire tokens you get security tokens you get dice of course because this is a, a game where you're going to be rolling all the time but in a fun way you get uh gasoline barrels uh supply tokens watch sec- once again you can use um, the, from the All War 3D terrain, you can use those ones here if you like. You're gonna get uh, 20 doors uh, tokens. One of their they're gonna be four. That's gonna be locked. Uh, these ones I found that you can also use some of the other games terrains. I don't wanna, you know, bring other games uh, for the doors terrain purposes. But I will say it. Whatever. Uh, I use the zombie side uh, invader doors. They were great. I used the Resident Evil 2 terrain. And doors as well, they work great. So there you go. You can use those ones. Big, big, big uh, tip over there. And then you're going to get the board tiles where you're going to be, you know, laying out your map according to your scenario. And you're going to get also 27 event cards, 24 uh, supply cards, 24 room cards, and 24 Negan action cards. Because, yes, Negan is going to be causing all kinds of trouble. Now, once again, you can play this game completely solo. Or you can play it cooperative. You can play it in a way semi-cooperative, where uh, once again, uh, whoever is the with with the highest reputation will be the top lieutenant for Negan. How are you gonna play uh, the Walking Dead? Here is Negan the Morgan. Well, very very simple. Even if you have to read this uh, forty um, pages of rulebook, it's it's a very simple game in a way. So one of the cool things that I that I that I like from this game is that. You're going to be following, once again, a scenarios that they have some narrative on it, some flavor text, and then you're going to start to develop the game. Uh, for example, scenario one, training day, right? And then it's scenario two, anyone home. Uh, scenario three, clearing house, so on and so forth. I won't spoil you that much. Just for example, for the scenario training day, uh, which is the first one, the small section looks to be sparsely in- inhabited by walkers, making the ideal testing ground for Negan's so-called saviors. Somewhere in there is a stairwell leading to the factory proper, and Negan wants once it's found by sundown. So he's telling you, hey man, before sundown, I want that entrance to the factory. Otherwise, you guys are gonna become walker uh, by this, uh, you know, uh, thirsty Lucille, I guess. Uh, and the wind conditions, of course, Negan must move into the exit marker on the on the scenario. So you're gonna lay out four tiles, and then you're gonna have a map where you're gonna be laying out some doors. Uh, you also gonna have where uh, does Negan start on the, on the board? Where you can start, your characters can start on the board, and the path that Negan needs needs to follow, and that will come in play in a little bit. That, but that's basically the whole layout. You're also gonna uh, set up some entrance, uh, you know, spaces where some walkers and tokens are gonna come and play, and you're also gonna play in each of in some other rooms uh, some uh, tokens where they they will indicate if the room is secure or not. And it also has a, a, a lot to play in the mechanism, one of the cool mechanisms of the game. Uh, so how are you going to play? Well, you're going to uh, have different rounds where you're going to be playing, of course. And in each round, you're going to have a survivor's face, a walker's face, a hero's Negan face, and an end face. And, and the end phase, as the rounds go by, are going to really be adding tension to the game. So here is how it works. On the survivor phase, 
you know, you're going to start with the first player and going clockwise. Uh, each survivor is going to take two different actions. If you're playing solo, you choose two survivors and you just do two actions each. Um, but it's important that you keep, uh, you know, passing the first player token between one another because something can trigger, an event can trigger, or, 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 or some, a Hero's Negan card can trigger where actually whoever is the first player matter. Not so much for decision, but as where they are on the map. So just keep that in mind. Um, you, you know, also another thing is that when you do these two actions, they have to be different. So you can move. Very basic. You can move three spaces. Now, one of the cool things differently from this one that versus the Walking Dead All of War is that on the Walking Dead All of War, you move with a ruler. With this one, you have actual actual spaces, uh, kind of like a skirmish uh, way, spaces on a board where you're going to be moving in any direction you want. Uh, you can move up to three spaces if that's what you want. Uh, also, uh, you can run, but of course, if you run... What it basically means is that you can move three spaces, then you're going to roll another die, uh, which is the blue die, which is the most powerful die, and you can uh, move up to three more spaces. But after you do that, then you're going to roll another die, which is the noise die, uh, which that one has a 50% chances of failure or success, depending on how you see it. You're going to roll that one, and if you uh, come with a success in that case, it will be uh, a creation of noise. And when you make noise... Well, a bunch of things will happen and a bunch of things will cascade. Uh, bad things, by the way. So you don't want to make noise. And I will tell you how noise works in a little bit. You can also fight. You can fight some walkers that they're on your way if you like. You can shoot. But if you shoot, unless it's with a bow, all the other guns will create noise. Um, you can hold your nerve, which if you hold your nerve... What it does is you roll that 50-50 chance that, uh, die, I guess. And if you are able to succeed, well, then you lower the level on the tra on the tread track, which I will explain you how it works in a little bit. If you are successful in this, you gain one reputation. If you kill a walker, you gain reputation. There's going to be many things that will give you reputations. And remember, you have a track of reputation on your characters that you want to have the higher at the end of the campaign. In that way, you will be the uh, favorite uh, Negan's lieutenant. Uh, also, you can search if you not just into walkers you can remove supply cards and see what you find which you can find walkers so there you go like if it wasn't hard enough you can secure a room so in the um tread round tracker i guess if you want to call it every round and this will come in a little bit you will be increasing the tread uh, by one so basically you're going to be advancing that truck by one if you make noise you're going to be advancing that truck by one at the same time um and that uh, tracker will also have sections. So, for example, from level 1 to 5 will be security thread 1. From level 6 to 10, 2. Um, 10 to 15, 3. And, and once you get to 18 or I think it was 19, well, you, you're done, right? You're dead. Uh, but that's basically how it works. So when you want to secure a room, um, you're going to roll a die for every uh, character that is in that room and no walkers. And you have to roll the same number of successes or more as the thread level. So once again... And the security in the trail level, I'm sorry. So if you if you were in the trail level 8, the security was probably at 2. You need to roll 2 successes at least. And if you roll 2 successes, well, you secure that room. And you will see how that comes in play. That's another action. You can break and enter. You can roll for noise and try to break in a, a locked door. You can call Negan when you're going to lose reputation because basically you're moving Negan out of the out of, the, out of turn uh, and he's going to move. Um, you can clear the way, which you will move Negan as normal, uh, you know, according to his face. You can extinguish, which there's some fire. You can roll, once again, a 50% chance. 
to see if you're able to extinguish your fire. You can make noise if you like to attract some walkers towards you, but once again, you will increase the threat level. Uh, you can recover stamina, which if you're in a secure room, well, you can roll to try to heal something. Uh, you can swap items from your uh, backpack, let's say, towards your, both of your hands, right? Like you can swap a, a gun for a knife or, 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 or things like that. Then... After you do your two actions, what's going to be the walker's phase? And in the walker's phase, basically, you're going to resolve an event. Uh, and that event will increase the threat level, first of all, usually. They will increase it either by one or by two, or they will make you roll a die to determine how, how much you increase that threat level. Um, then, of course, it's going to tell you, like, either uh, put some walk and tw- walker tokens on the board or things like that. The, inter- the interesting mechanic of the walker tokens, which I, I guess I can, I can tell you about it right now, is that w- uh, there's going to be some walker tokens that you're going to be adding to the board in different entrances, depending on the threat level. Um, that's what is going to determine where they they start, right? Um, and those uh, tracker tokens in every uh, walker's face, they're going to be moving one space towards the survivors. And once they enter into line of sight, which means that, of course, like you can tell, like a door is open, let's say, and, and they can see through that room or something, you're going to reveal that token. And then it's going to have a usually... A dice color. Then you're going to roll that dice, and that will determine how many walkers you spawn there. Uh, then, of course, during the walker phase, those walkers are going to move two spaces towards the survivors. Um, and then if they get attached to them, they will fight those survivors, which I will explain fine in a little bit. Um, and, and and that's gonna that's gonna be causing damage, you know, during the walker phase. If a walker is adjacent to Negan, they don't roll uh, for a fight. Like I will explain once again a little bit how the fight works, but they will create some damage to Negan. If Negan gets damaged all the way that he basically dies, well, we lose the game because we don't want Negan to die, right? And then after that is the here is Negan phase where, um, you know, basically Negan has a deck of cards, but we need to see first if that deck of cards is going to resolve. First, we need to see if Negan is not in rage. And in rage for Negan will be that if he is adjacent to a walker, or if he won't be able to move because he's adjacent to a survivor. So that that will make Negan mad. And if Negan is mad or upset, um, he's going to do enrage, which basically he will create noise um, because he's, you know, just making noise because he's upset. Uh, he also going to lower the reputation from uh, survivors that are close to him. And then he's, of course, going to swing Lucille back and forth, and he's going to be able to kill walkers up to three spaces away from where he is, which is something good, and it can be helpful sometimes for to make Negan enraged, but also reputation fails. So there, there you have it. It's, it's uh, something that you have to work it out during the game, uh, depending on where you add on the A scenario. And then after you resolve Negan, uh, you're gonna have into you're gonna go into the end space where um, you're gonna remove activation tokens from play, some characters, in that way you can uh, activate them again. And then if uh, the security, the number of security rooms that there are in the board are less than in security level. That means that, for example, you only have secure one room, but we are in security level two on the threat track. Well, you will increase the threat track by one level. So once again, that's why you need to secure those rooms. Uh, if you have um, walkers that they're knocked down, they're not dead. They're just knocked down. You're going to roll that 50-50% die to see which ones they stand up. Um and then you're going to pass the first player token. Now, there's some rules here that, that they will also have uh, a big part on the Here's Negan board game. Uh, you know, when you enter in a room, when you enter to a room, if the, um, you know, if the room is unsecure, you're going to reveal uh, walker tokens uh, and place uh, walkers. That means that if you now you make the walkers to be in line of sight of you, 
You're going to reveal those and roll the dice like I explained to you. And you're going to place those walkers. You're going to draw and resolve a room card. Now, each room card, we usually bring more walkers, but also going to bring tokens with supplies. And they're very straightforward. They will tell you something like, roll the white dice for walkers and place this amount of tokens, whatever. Um, and, and that's basically every time you enter to a room. The other thing that you have to keep in mind during the game is the noise. Uh, because every time that you make noise, once again, like I mentioned before, you increase the tread level by one. Walkers move one space towards the noise uh, source, of course, um, and they will reveal tokens if they get in the line of sight. And walkers move, move towards uh, two spaces towards noise. Uh, and we also add walker tokens uh, on closest entry point up to the current thread. So depending on the where is the tread level, there you're going to place uh, some walker tokens. And battle, how battle works? Well, basically... We have dice, depending if we decide to attack melee or with a weapon, um, with a, I mean with a gun, right? So you're going to roll those dice, that they will be very self-explanatory on, on the cards. Uh, and the walkers, they all, they're always going to have some defense die as well. So they can kind of defend, you know, from your attacks. Uh, and when they attack you, it's the same thing. You can roll defense die to try to prevent some damage. Um, the important thing is that you can do, you can have some headshots or uh, uh, results on the dice, where if you are attacking, well, that will be an automatically kill of the walker, and of course you get reputation, um, you know, to favor Negan. But if a walker is attacking you and they will a head a, a headshot, I guess, or a head wound result, well, then you get you got bitten, and if you got bitten, well, you're basically gonna flip your stamina token uh, the other way, and that will uh, have a mark on you. And every time that you're bitten, well, uh, you know. You're going to be still taking damage every time that they um, basically do damage to you. But if the tr if your health track gets to zero, well. We'll be back after a quick break. Ever thought modern video games should be more interesting? At the Gaming Blender, we take randomized genres, mechanics, and make a new game every episode. I've added permadeath. We have a survival game of a hardcore simulation, which could be House Flipper and with the permadeath of XCOM. And that will has to be an action adventure. Yes. Oh dear. Yes. And sometimes it doesn't quite work. And you have, you have a construction off over the course of the of the narrative. A construction off. The <laughs> way the way we can do this is that we ditch your idea entirely. Entirely. Check out the Gaming Blender on all your favorite podcast platforms now. You're gonna be out of the game versus if you're not beaten and your track gets to zero you're knocked down and if somebody goes there can try to help you or if you're not adjacent to walkers you can only do the recover stamina action where you're able to basically stand up roll the dice and see how much you held and then probably spend another turn after your ride to try to help to try to heal a little bit more in that way you can come back in the game and that's basically very briefly how uh here is negan the walking dead the board game works once again this is a game from mantic games what do i think about the game okay like i mentioned before here is negan the board game shares uh different i mean sorry similar uh mechanisms as one of my other uh, games that I actually enjoy a lot, which is the Walking Dead All of All of War game, right? They share a lot of mechanisms, uh, similar games in a way. Now, they are different, though, as far as movement. And the thread track, it's also different. Because, once again, in the Walking Dead All of War, uh, well, you move via ruler. It's like more like a war game 
uh, freestyle movement, let's say, versus here you go in a skirmish way, you know, from from this square to the other square in any direction. So what do I think of the Walking Dead here, again? If I compare both of them, um, you know, versus All of War versus Here is Negan, it feels like Here is Negan, it's more um, a board game than definitely uh, All Out War. Because All Out War, once again, is that. It's more like a war It's weird because it's more like a war game, but that you can play solo as well, and it works fine. And you're playing, uh, you know, the Walking Dead campaign, and you can get some cool terrain, and, and, and you know, you can get some uh, cool... Uh, you can paint the minis, and, and, and you can even buy... Ter- terrain from any other I guess uh, store as long as they are from the same scale and it's a very immersive game because you know you're playing the walking dead and you're following the scenarios you, you there's a way that if you buy everything for that game you can play basically the whole comic like the whole comic from beginning to almost end of what's going on and what happened um, you know versus here is Negan once again it's based on that Here is Negan comic, which of course is way shorter, and it feels more like a board game. Um, I also feel like um, The Walking Dead, of course, has like a way uh, biggest crowd, you know, for people to like it, the All of War versus Here is Negan, because this will be like a very small niche of characters that you can play with. Once again, you can play with the Negan's uh, famous lieutenants, the saviors, and just five or six of them, which they're not the same as in the show. Um, here is Negan, the, war ca- the board game, however, has some mechanics that I actually enjoy more versus the All of War. For example, that mechanic of the security uh, threat level, you know, where you have to secure rooms, otherwise if you don't do it uh, fast enough, then that threat uh, track is going to keep advancing, moving up where once again if it gets to the end you lose the game because it means that you got overcrowded by walkers if negan dies you lose the game too uh so you know that's the other thing um i really like the mechanic of negan and i hope i explain myself well how it works i don't think i mentioned how the deck of cards of negan works but basically if negan is not enraged which like i mentioned before that can happen because he's adjacent to walkers or adjacent to characters you're gonna flip up one of the negan's um, deck card right and that will tell you how many spaces negan will move and you have to respect the, the path that shows in the scenario uh, setup page so negan is going to be moving for towards the exit um, they also going to tell you it's going to change some things because there's going to be cards where Negan is comp- a jerk like he is, right? And there's some other cards that they will actually help you. So that's pretty cool. I really like uh, comparing to, from this game to the other one. I think this one, it's a little bit better in a way for the Negan face. You know how the Negan deck of cards works and also the Walker face because besides resolving the event card, which is very similar to the other one, um, this one has a steps for adding those walker tokens, which I think they're great. Um, because it helps to evolve the tension a little bit differently. Because in the other game, you have some on the SNR, you have already some walkers set up. And, you know, kind of you've, you know what you're going to. You, you know what you're going against. Of course, there more walkers can come, uh, you know, from to, uh, to add it to the terrain or to the board. Here... You don't know where you're getting because of those tokens. You're going to be adding tokens every time that you make noise and things like that. 
but might as well you can review that token and it could be all clear and you know there's no walkers you just thought there were walkers but there's no walkers now on the other hand it can have like a blue die which is awful because that can add up to three walkers and and suddenly like it happened to me like you can be playing the first scenario where you think like oh this is easy it's easy and you almost getting into the end and suddenly you add a lot of tokens because you make noise uh, or or an event tells you to do it and then you get swamped by walkers so that's really cool because it really adds the, ten- the tension and the, th- and the thematic aspect of the game where ultimately you are bad guys you know you are you and even if you don't want to see it that way you're some tough guys that you it's in a survival apocalyptic that you want to secure everything from the biggest jerk ever which is Negan uh, and you uh, which is pretty cool at the same time and you want to make everything secure for him but you want to make sure that he respects you as as the lieutenant and, and you know in that you basically will have the walkers eventually uh, helping you out, and, and and you know the story, right? Going against Rick, but um, you know, I think that's that's a pretty a pretty cool um, tension that the game that the game develops with these mechanisms of the walker phase, the Negan phase, and how the threat level works. As far as the other mechanics, like you know, finding supplies, killing walkers, the fighting, I mean, it, it, it's okay. I mean, fighting. It's pretty straightforward. Once again, you're going to roll dice, uh, you know, compare results versus the walker, see what happens, and that's it. Who has the most? Well, if you have more than the, walk, more than the walker, more successes, well, he gets knocked, knocked down. Uh, he can also stand up, once again, at the beginning, at the end of the round, where you roll that 50-50 chance die where they can stand up, or you can try to have a headshot at them, and that way you can kill them and get reputation. I think that's pretty cool also, the mechanic of getting reputation, losing reputation. So I think, yes, that forces you to work as a team, but at the same time, it's like, hey, I want to kill that walker. I don't want you to kill that walker. You know, or you probably want to put Negan versus the other players, like put Negan in their direction, because there's an action that you can move Negan freely. So if you put them closer to them, Negan can make them lose reputations and things like that. But that's some other cool mechanics that, once again, they come in play with the Negan face, and it really adds more spiciness to the game. So uh, what BGG said is that it's 7.9 ranking um, with 102 ratings, 1 to 5 players, 60 to, ni- 60 to 90 minutes, which it is. I mean, most game, most uh uh, scenarios are between 70 minutes, 80 minutes. It has a weight complexity of 3.3 out of 5. It's not an easy game to learn, but once you learn and once you play a couple of rounds, you will get it. And the designer is Mark Latham. Uh, the artist is Charlie Adler and Jose David uh, Jose David Lanza Serbian, and is published by uh, Mantic Games. Uh, I think the components are cool. I think the minis is very good quality. Once again, you have to paint it to really make them shine on the game. Um, the the tokens are okay. Of course, if you have the other games from Mantic Zelda War, you can once again, like I mentioned, mix the terrain over there and make it seems more more immersive. Um, but it, it's a fun game overall. I think for me, this game has a solid uh, uh three point five. I did enjoy it. I did like it. I, I you know I'm I'm looking forward to to play the whole campaign. But if you put me to choose. Probably I would still stay with All of War just because it's the the theme in a way. Also, this game is hard, so I I, I get it that the, the the thematic aspect of the reputation where you want to be the best lieutenant for Negan. But in the Walking Dead, for example, most in the All of War, more most of the scenarios are you know fully cooperative. Uh, there are some scenarios when it will be when you fight Shane. Of uh, Shane, I'm sorry, is one versus one, of course. But um. 
usually they all are fully cooperative. So in a way, if, if you're going to treat that fully cooperative, I think it's a great game. Uh, you know, and, and and if you're going to play it semi-cooperative, yes, it will be fun, but at the same time, it can, it can be a hard game. Uh, it could be a little bit harsh for some players, I think. Uh, one cool thing is that there's no need on alpha player of this because, once again, we're all doing our best to please Negan, so there's no alpha player there. And overall, I think I enjoy the game. I think a 3.5, is it's a, it's a good uh, rating for this game. I do recommend it if you are a fan of the franchise. Um, you know, The Walking Dead, here is Negan, the board game. Uh, you will like it, but keep in mind, it's only Negan's universe. So it's all their characters that they're involved in the comic. Here is Negan. Don't go buying just this because of the show. Be aware of that. Uh, ultimately, if you're into The Walking Dead, this will be a fun addition to your collection. This will be a fun game to try. And I don't think you you I don't think you will dislike it because I think it's a good game. And I think as I play it more, um, you know, it might, might happen that the rating will go higher. Uh, so I will tell you more about it once I finish the whole campaign. But this is after playing four episodes. I have uh, four episodes, sorry, four chapters. Um, I have played with three players, two players, and one player. Um, with that being said, do I prefer this game solo or cooperative? I think this game for me, it plays better solo, just because I can, you know, tweak that reputation track. On the other hand, the cooperative tension that the reputation push you through uh, with the walker's face and Negan's face, I think it's also very good. It's just, I mean, I'm not, I'm not even have the, you know, the the fundamentals of why one versus the other. It's just because of I think <laughs> solo is fun because you're you're not worrying too much about reputation, and you're still worrying it because there's different things that can trigger. Uh, and you can kind of like avoid if you have reputation, but at the same time, you're playing fully cooperative, trying to survive and 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 make sure that Negan survives, right? Um, but also, I can see the other way around being, you know, the favorite for a, a bunch of players. So there you go. This is here is Negan, The Walking Dead. Definitely check it out. Give it a try. And now after that, let's go and talk about the next game for this Halloween night. Because we were we were dealing with walkers or zombies. But now we're going to go down. We're going to go down to the cage, baby. And this is the night cage. Okay, so now we are going to talk about the night cage. This is a game that came out in 2021. Escape from a maze that changes whenever the light vanishes. This is a 1 to 5 players. It's a 40 to 60 minute game. Age 14 euro plus, And a complexity weight of 2 out of 5. The rating on BGG is 7.5. The designer it's Christopher Ryan Chan, Chris McMahon, Roswell Sanders. The artist is Christopher Ryan Chan. And the publisher is Smirk and Laffer Games. Which once again... Big, big, big disclosure here. They uh, give us a free copy, completely free copy uh, for review purposes of the game. They also were so kind that they give us a neoprene mat to play the game, which is fantastic. Fan, fantastic. So we have the Night Cage, and let's start with the box, right? The box, same size of The Walking Dead. Here is the board game, 12 inch by 12 inch 
a beautiful dark portrait or cover uh, with a hand holding, holding a candle that the wax it's coming all down man it's melting uh the night cage once again by mcmahon chan and sounders how long will you light last that's the big question and you want that light to last and i will tell you why <laughs> uh once again um on the sides of the box the night cage very beautifully so if you want to display this one just as a piece of art if you want to play it horizontal or vertically on your calyx it will serve the same purpose because the box is is actually like the art very basic very simple just dark and letters but it, it looks it looks cool uh the night cage once again on the back of the box doesn't have to do anything with nicholas cage even if i kind of want to do a proxy you know like a with a, a picture of Nicolas Cage of the National Treasure, you know, which he's holding, holding like a light or something. That would be cool. Um, what is the night cage? Well, you awake in the dark. Your body is cold. Your mind is blank. You have nothing but you fear. A candle and a question. How long will your light last? The night cage is a cooperative horror theme title placement game that traps one to five lost souls within an otherworldly labyrinth of eternal darkness. Equipped with nothing but dim candles, you must work together to explore the maze and escape. To win, players must each collect a key, find a gate, and escape as a group. But escape won't be easy. The weak low of your candle sheds light on only a small area of the maze at a time. As players move, new pathways are revealing while old ones disappear forever into the darkness, creating an ever-changing play space that requires teamwork and collective strategy to navigate. And then, of course, you have a, a layout of the game on the back of the box, and you know, it tells you what is what what you what is included. Once again, one to five players, uh, fourteen euro plus, and it plays about fifteen minutes. Uh, you can learn as you play. If you like, you can download an app that they tell you on um, either App Store or Google Play. In that way, you can be playing. You know, as you you're learning as you are playing the game, which is always something that you know we appreciate it. So let's open the Night Cage. What do we find inside? Of course, we get a rule book, and you're gonna get. Uh, let's see how many pages. So I always. Uh, 19 double-sided page um, and once again like in the walking dead uh, i really appreciate when at the back of the of the rule book they give you like a, uh, a description of how the round works uh, and this one they actually give you a turn progression rather than than something else and it actually explain you like what what's happened right what happened if you stay or if you move and then if if this happens if the other happens if the other happens what do you do what how do you resolve it and things like that um, the rule book is very straightforward. Uh, once again, it's showing you an overview of the game, very with a very black and white dark uh, art, darkish art, <laughs> uh, and it's also gonna tell you the components that you're gonna find in the game. So then, on the game, we're gonna get a bunch of stuff. What you're gonna get? You're gonna get a double-sided game board, and it's double-sided because it will depend on the number of players. Uh, you're gonna have a hundred labyrinth tiles. Um, you know the five-star tiles. And listen to this. This is this is important. The eight key eight key tiles, four gate tiles, and thirteen wax eater monsters. And then you know different shapes of of patterns. And this is important because, as you will hear, uh, those key tiles and gate tiles are very important to succeed on the game, including those damn wax eaters. Uh, you also gonna get the prisoner marker. You're gonna get five prisoner tokens with their little candles, which is you and your friends. Uh, one double-sided discard board, 
five prisoner status cards. So depending on the color that you choose, uh, you know, you can be blue, you can be purple, you can be green, you can be yellow, you can be red. And then a tile holder, which you can imagine has a shape of a big candle that is going to be extinguishing. Uh, you had five key tokens. Uh, you get also get some advanced uh, tiles in case you want to, you know, make the challenge a little bit harder, harder for you. And this is pretty simple, pretty straightforward. Once again, one to four players. What are you going to do on your turn? Well, with the proper setup, which you're going to mix uh, normal tiles with um, also with some monsters and a number of doors and keys, depending on the number of players, you're going to shuffle them up and stack them on the candle. What you're going to do on the game is basically your action or your turn, which it could be move one space, once again, so you can move one space, or you can stay. If you move, you're going to move one space. You have to say where you're going to go, and it's going to be orthogonally. And once you move, you move your candle guy, your character, in the direction that you want, but your light, remember, can only uh, illuminate a surrounding adjacent tiles. That means that if you left one space and you go, let's say, one space to the left, now the space where you came from is still illuminated because it's adjacent, but the space that was adjacent to that one before you move is gone. So this is important because if you were in a gate before you find the key and then you go and looking for the key and the gate disappear, well, if you don't have more gates, of course, you're going to find a key eventually but there's not gonna it's gonna be no exit for you from the dungeon right so that's something very interesting or you can stay you know which basically will mean that you will get one nerve and i will explain how nerve works in a little bit and you discard one tile from that uh, from that pile of 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 the of the candle right this is important because if the candle if the light goes out that means because you're adding tiles to the labyrinth uh, tiles to the labyrinth Every time that you discard or add tiles, of course, that candle is going lower, 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 lower. Uh, if it gets extinguished, well, we get trapped in darkness. Uh, if you get the nerve, however, because you decide to stay, uh, you can move again. So that will increase your speed. Uh, and then uh, you can use uh, one nerve. Well, you can, I'm sorry, you can use one nerve to move again. Uh, you can use one nerve to block. And what block does is that when a monster attack uh, will discard exactly three tiles, well, with this power, you can only discard two instead. Because every time that a monster attacks you, which I will explain you how they attack you, you discard three. But with the, if you block, you know, it's only two, so it's still bad, but not as crazy bad as it was. You can charge, which will mean move onto and then through a monster tile, taking all penalties from the attack, but scrambling to a tile beyond. So if you get trapped, you can use this one. You can basically go through the monster, they still attack, but hey, you made it. You can sustain during a final flickers, uh, ignore uh, removing an illuminated tile after your turn. A prisoner, a prisoner cannot spend a nerve to sustain if they have gained a nerve this turn. Uh, and you only have a maximum of two nerves, so you can never go crazy and get like five nerves, right? And uh, now, what happens if your lights are out? And basically, there's many ways that your lights can go out. Either a monster can extinguish it, or if you fall. Uh, but anyway, if you have if you don't have light in your candle, well, you can only move one space on your turn. That's it. You are to panic, and you cannot stay on the same room. The problem with the lights out is that when you're moving to another tile, whatever was behind you or adjacent to you disappears because you only are able to see the tile that you are in. 
Now, how are you going to get your light? You can imagine, right? You need somebody else to come with their candle and that way they can give you some fire and that way you can light up, you know, yours. Uh, you may spend one nerve if you have the lights out to move again, to stay. Even though your lights are out, you gain uh, no nerve. So that's one thing. Um, so that's another way that you can say, I guess, if you have the lights out, you can block. Once again, it works the same for a monster. You can charge, you can sustain. Now, how basically you're going to win this game, right? Once again, it's pretty simple. You and your friends are going to working together. You're going to be working together to try to find keys. Everybody can hold only one key. And then to be all together in a gate before the light extinguish, and you win. Simple as that. It plays very simple. You're going to be developing the, the, the maze on the board. And that's it, honestly. Um, there's, of course, some variants of what happened. Like, if you stay or move, um, you know, uh, you, you can, you, if you fall, uh, if you go into a pit, into a, a crumble tile, well, it becomes a pit. You flip it, flip it down. If you fall, well, then you, um, you know, you're going to place yourself immediately at, on the one of the edges of the board. Um, how the monsters work, I didn't mention this. That's true. Uh, the monster, basically, they, once they appear, they're going to be activated if they see you moving through any connection path through them or any of the players. So if they see one player one player moving, they basically try to eat the wax and they attack you and you discard three tiles from the big candle or the main candle where we get the tile from. But if you use the block, once again, like we mentioned, if you have some nerve, you only discard two instead of one. And that's the night cage. Once again, it's pretty, pretty simple. What do I think of the night cage? Well, first of all, this is a game that I was a little bit skeptic uh, to try because I hear mixed reviews all over the place. Um, and I was at Gen Con 2021. Uh, I demoed the game. I liked it. And once again, I mean, our friends from American Laugh, they were very kind and they gave us a review copy. Um, and... And that was it, you know, they give us a review copy and a neoprene mat. That same night, I played with four player, a four-player game. And we all had a blast. We really did. Uh, and we played the game again uh, two or three times more that night. And it was a blast. Then I came home and I played two players. It was fun as well. But then I played solo. And it was okay. So with that being said, the components, I think, are great. Uh, you know, they're very simple, very, very, um, very um, good for the game. Let's call it that way. The mechanics of the game versus, uh, you know, the one that basically you have in a way a mechanic of escape room because you only have certain amount of tiles that you have to escape before they run out. Of, they run out. I think that's cool. I really like the mechanic of the fight as well where these, there is these monsters on, on the darkness where they're a wax eater and suddenly they see you at the end of the hallway and they will run into you and they will try to extinguish your light. Um, which, of course, extinguish the main candle. That's cool. Also, when the lights go out on one of the characters, it's cool that, you know, now the tensions add more, and you're like, well, you have to move, but also you don't want to make a key tile or a gate tile disappear because what if somebody else still needed a key? You know, and the fact that when you're playing as a team, you have to escape through the same door, I think is pretty cool also. Um, you know, there, there's there's that to say about the game. I think it's fun. I think it's 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 great. Um, I honestly like after the demo, I was going to buy it. So it was a very cool thing from them that they gave me a copy. Uh, but I mean, I think it's a, a game that definitely needs to be checked out. And and I was I was very pleased that I ended up with a copy in my hands, and I will definitely keep it. 
I will give this game a solid four, you know, in my rating. I think it's a very fun game, especially for those nights of uh, horror mystery-ish that you want to have with your friends. I think it works great, and it's it's also a game that is it won't be that long. I mean, it could be played also in 30 minutes. We have one playtime that it was 30 minutes, and it was fun. Um, you know, I, I think that the mechanics, once again, of the game are clever, and it's very simple. Sometimes this reminds me that we don't need a complex game in order to enjoy them. Now, the only thing, though, that I would say about this game is that Solo... It's not a, it's not as enjoyable as cooperative. That's one thing. Like, and it's hard for me to say this, but if you are a solo player only, like solo solo player, I don't think this game it will be a must have. I don't think this will be a must have in your collection if you if you are strictly strictly a solo player. If you have a group of friends that you can play with. You know, that you can have two players even. Like, if you can play with your significant other and have a two-player nine, I think it's worth it. I think it's definitely, uh, you know, to give it a try. And it's also, I think, this game could could uh, uh, work as a gateway, I guess, or as a window, uh, you know, in order to bring uh, new um, uh, gamers to the, to the hobby, right? So, there you go. The Night Cage, once again, a solid four for me. And I highly, I highly recommend it if you have a group of friends or at least somebody else to play with. So there's that. There's a night cage. And now finally, let's go into the last little game of the night, which is or the day, depending on where you're listening. Cartographers by Thunder War Games. Okay, so we are ready to talk about cartographers. Uh, the last game of this episode, which once again, the first episode, where we talk we talk about three games, um, not being one of those top five, uh, you know, list of games. Hey, by the way, if you like this, um, you know, this mechanic, I guess, of the podcast, where I'm uh, talking to you about more than two games, uh, please let me know at the same time, because I'm happy to keep doing it this way if you guys like it. Uh, but anyway, Cartographers, this is published by Thunderwork Games, uh, and it's designed by Jordi Annan, and the artist is Lucas Ribeiro. Uh, the alternable uh, names are Cartographers are Role Player Tale, because that's the main game, that's the main name of the game. It has a rank on BGG of 7.7 with 15,000 ratings. It came out on 2019. Rank overall is 116. And a family game is positioned on the 14 plays, 1-4. Uh, you can play 1 to 100 players or more. Um, you know, uh, I think it works best at 3 to 4 players, so I will tell you that. Um, it plays 30 to 45 minutes, age um, 10 euro plus, and a weight complexity of 1.8 out of 5. Super, super simple game. The box of cartographers... It's a very small, convenient VHS size box. And you're going to have on the main cover a very nice art, once again by Ribeiro, uh, of this cartographer guy. You know, just seeing seeing the layout of the land and thinking, you know, where should I put this? Where should I put that? And then you have a small little, uh, kind of like a gremlin guy, and also like, or like, a, like a ghoul or something just helping him. You know, like probably here by this beautiful valley full of 
uh, our weaver falls and things like that. Then, of course, on the back of the game, you have Queen Gibnax has ordered the reclamation of the Northern Islands. Uh, as a cartographer in her service, you are sent to map this territory, claiming it for the kingdom of Nalos. But you are not alone in this wilderness. The drag will contest your claims with their outpost. So you must draw lines carefully to reduce their influence. Reclaim the greatest share of the queen, desire lands, and you will be declared the greatest cartographer in the kingdom. Uh, you're also going to have a layout of the setup. Actually, if you want to play it solo, that's more like the setup for the solo game. Uh, and he's going to tell you the components of the game. Once again, you can go crazy and play 1 to 100 players. H10 Euro Plus and 30 to 45 minutes per playtime. What do we gonna see inside this little box? Well, as soon as we open it, which I'm doing right now, we gonna see our rule book. And the rule book is super straightforward and it's gonna tell you all the components that you're gonna find. Even in the back of the rule book, there's explanation for a solo mode, which I really appreciate it. And what you're gonna find in the game. You're gonna find a notepad which a hundred map uh, sheets double-sided in case you wanna play the normal version or you wanna make the the land a little bit more challenging or chaotic. You're gonna have 13 exploration cards, you're gonna have 16 scoring cards, four ambush cards, four seasonal cards, four edit cards, and four pencils. I highly recommend you get some colors because it will really, really, really shine up on the game. So how the game plays? Basically, you're going to start to arrange um, the deck of seasons. So you're going to start, of course, with the spring. Then you're going to go to summer. Then you're going to fall the fall. And then winter. And then you're going to have all those edit cards, A, B, C, D. You're going to lay them out on the board in order. And then you're going to have four different type of cards that they will be the, the, the way that you score points according to the land and how you draw that line for that land for the queen. So you're going to choose one of each type and you're going to set it up randomly below A, B, C, or D, depending on where you want to place them. Then you, each player is going to get their, their sheet to start to you know draw their, their land and also a pencil. Once again, get some colors because they will be useful. They will be easier to determine certain things. And they will look way cooler. How the game plays? How the game plays? Very, very easy. You're gonna have those cards that I mentioned before. The explore card. You're gonna shuffle them. You're gonna draw one ambush card randomly. Add them to these cards. Shuffle it again. And you're gonna leave the three ambushes on the side. Okay. Um, you're gonna basically reveal one card, and that card is gonna tell you which type of land you're gonna build. Either farm, either woods, uh, either houses or or, or water. Uh, depending, it's gonna determine you which type of terrain you're gonna build or how to build on that land. Also, it's gonna tell you the shape, kind of like in a Tetris way. It's gonna tell you the shape of the land that you have to to draw. Now, it's important to keep in mind that on the sheets, there's gonna be some mountains that as soon as you surround them, they're gonna give you some gold, and gold is picked its uh, victory points every round. There's also some uh, uh, ruins or temples that only in certain conditions you're going to build on those temples. For example, when, you write, when you're drawing exploration cards, if you draw a temple, then the next exploration card has to be drawn on top of that temple if able. If you're not able, well, I will tell you what will you, will you do if you're not able. But if you are able, you have to draw it there. So that's why also it's important during the game to see if you draw on the temples before you see the actual ruins or temples. 
Um, so you're going to be drawing cards, you know, and some cards will give you options like, hey, if you do this option of this shape, well, we will give you one coin. Every time that you get a coin, you mark it on your, on your sheet. And those coins, once again, are going to be victory points every round. Um, and you're going to be drawing those cards. Those cards will also going to have a number on the top left side corner of each card. And, for example, a spring will have a total value of 8. So once you have 8 points of value on those cards, that's it. The season ends and you will score points like I will explain in a little bit. Also, there's those ambush cards. If you get an ambush card reveal, well, you're going to be passing your uh, beautiful land to the player on the left or right, depending on the ambush card. And then those players can draw basically some bad guys on your sheet blocking you some spaces and potentially giving you negative points at the end of the round so once again once we accomplish those numbers on the springs on the, on each season i'm sorry then we're going to score points how you're going to score points is that after the first season well you're going to see the cards that they were below the edict to see which conditions they demand uh, which these ones of course are going to be a and b for example and then you're going to see how many points you were able to score according to those cards. So you're going to get the points for A, the points for B. Then you're going to add the points for the coins that you got. And then for every bad guy that was drawn on your land, every adjacent space to one of those bad guys that is not covered by any terrain is going to be points that you will have to subtract. And once you do this math, you're going to get a value. And then you start with the next round. But now the next round, the cards that are going to give you points are the ones that are below B and C. And then on the third round, the ones that are below C and D. And then on the last turn, the ones that are below D and A. So every round, you're going to be trying to accomplish different things, which eventually will create it can create some chaos on your land in order to you know, meet the requirements to get more points. At the end of the four rounds or the four seasons, you're going to add the total value of each season that you were able to get. And whoever has the the higher points, well, wins the game. Also, there's a tiebreaker over there that if you, if, you know, if, if people get tied, well, there's a way that I think it was the player with the most, the most coins um, win, uh, wins the game. Uh, it says in the event of the tie, the tie player who has the least reputation, uh, who lost the least reputation and starts to monster terrain across all four seasons is the winners. And if there's a further tie, well, all tied players share the victory. There you go. It's very unlikely that you will have a tie. I already did have a tie, but it's unlikely. Um, and then for the solo mode, it's pretty much the same. You just do a few changes on the setup. Uh, you know, like you do not you you do not uh, write a title uh, on your map sheet since it's gonna be you because the maps. You, you can add your cartographer name, your title, and your shield. You can rock what kind of shield is for your for the Queen Kingdom uh, and also the name of the kingdom if you like. Well, in this one, you don't need to write anything because it's only you. I mean, if you want to do it, go for it. Um, this is where you record a title uh, appointed to you by the Queen, Jimnax, uh, at the end of the game. Uh, you also going to change a little bit, um, you know, on the uh, when the ambushes cards are revealed. Uh, for example, you're going to examine the grid in the upper right corner on the card to see which corner on the map is shown. And on your map shear, starting with the corner indicated by the ambush card and I'm proceeding along the edges of the map in the direction indicated by the arrow, attempt to legally draw the monster shape without flipping it or rotating it. Um, if you cannot legally draw the monster shape uh, anywhere along the map, along the edge of the map, you're just going to move it one space. Which this brings me to the other question, where you're playing competitive uh, every time that you cannot legally accommodate a terrain or a shape, then you can draw any kind of terrain you like and place it anywhere on the map you like. So that's 
you can say like, well, yeah, it's cool. In that way, you know, I can only use one terrain if I need to. But at the same time, most of the times you want all the, ter- all, the, all the shape as possible to occupy more spaces, especially if you're dealing with enemies. And that's how cartographers play. Um, you know, pretty simple, pretty straightforward, uh, very uh, uh, small, nice little box. Uh, this is a flip and ride game because you don't roll any dice that will determine anything. And as I mentioned before, I'm not a huge fan of roll and ride games. However, this one was very, very, a very different experience to me. And once again, big disclosure, I got this game for free for my from my good friends of Thunder War Games. But I don't care if I got it for free because even if it was trash, I will tell you it was trash. But it's not trash at all. It's actually my favorite um, any type of ride game. I mean, I... I would put it on the same category as the Rolling Ride. Well, this is my favorite by far. Um, it's a game that I enjoy. It's a game that I play five ni- five nights straight. Like I play it one player, two player, three players, four players, and every single person that I have shown the game, they all have liked it a lot. Uh, some of them they have loved it, and it's a great game to own. It's very accessible in price, and solo works fantastic. It's once again in the same universe as the role player games, which that's another game that is going to be coming soon to the podcast. Uh, but Cartographers is definitely, I will tell you right now, a must have. I didn't find too many flaws on the game other than the uh, terrain or the exploration cards. There's only 13 and it can become repetitive. So that's one thing. I can see, I think there's one expansion already out there. I can see this game getting expansions or getting promos or things like that, and they are going to be definitely worth it. I think it's a game that even if it's only 13, um, you know, exploration card, which is the downish kind of the game, I think the replayability value is very high because even if you get to the point where you're like, okay, okay, now I got the strategy, I know, you know, these things, and, you know, even if you randomize those scoring ways after each round, well, then if you get to that point that is like, becoming repetitive you can flip the sheet and now you have this big chunk of land on the middle that it's that nobody can occupy and it makes the drawing part of the game more cluster and more uh, convoluting so it will be harder and challenging for you to accomplish everything so that's another option so i think the replayability value is very high i think the components are great I, th- I, w- I i think that you should get some colors to play this game because with colors looks beautiful you can look at the pictures on Instagram and Facebook of SolarBG Podcast. I posted there the nights that I was playing it. And it's a very, very, very fun small game that I highly recommend. If you're a solo player, get it. If you have a group of friends, get it. I mean, it's great. If you ask me, do I rather play it solo or competitive? I mean, either way. I think it's great either way. I mean, if I have to choose, probably because of my experiences, it was so fun playing it competitive, but also solo, it's fun. It's great, and it makes you, you know, think and and try to figure it out. So, definitely worth it to check it out. It, it's in a way beat your own score, kind of, but it's good. It's fun, you know, and it won't take too much time. It doesn't take any setup, almost nothing. So, it, you can take it anywhere. It's a perfect travel camping game. I think it's great. And my ranking to this game is going to be a solid 4.5 because I like it a lot. Surprising to me. Uh, a game that involves right, you know, I place it at 4.5 of the scale of Solo BG Podcast because it's so good. I highly recommend it, and I think you should get it, and I don't think you will regret. 
And this was episode 103. We talk about three games and the Halloween night. Here is Negan, the night cage, and we end with a happy ending with cartographers. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Once again, please check check us out on our social media, Solo BG Podcast, everywhere, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, you know it. If you want to get in contact with me, shoot me an email at solobgpodcast at gmail.com. Big uh, shout out and thanks to Mantic to Smirks and Laugh and uh, to Thunderworks for providing this game for reviews purposes. Uh, and I hope, you, I hope you're well, I hope you're happy, and I hope you keep playing games. And like always, until next time, this is Derek. Huh? See you through the speaker and at the tabletop. Yeah.